Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenets that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus and meditation and prayer, and do we need it? All faiths are welcome, and I am a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible, and of course, you may use any Bible you wish. I have had many spiritual experiences, which I'm eternally grateful for. 
and in gratitude, we will have ongoing Bible readings as we read our way straight through the Bible and uh, also select the material. I am just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. And um, let's now bow our heads for our, the opening prayer. And let's say together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And we have uh, our deepest condolences for people that have lost their lives all over uh, the world, actually. There's been uh, many things that have happened. Uh, the 50 people that were more, 54, I think, uh, people that were murdered in Orlando. Any other more than 50 that was injured, we pray for those and their families. And also there was uh, some terrible stabbings in China. And then again, another bombing in France. I mean, it's just this world is just going crazy. So uh, we still pray. We still stay calm. We still love the Lord. And uh, we just have to hang together and pray and pray for those that have lost their lives and We've been talking about this the whole time since uh, we started, and it's just upsetting, but we keep praying for people that their lives are being persecuted, and uh, things are going on worldwide, and uh, we also believe uh, other people's lives, you know, we have Christians being persecuted just for being Christians, and not the right kind of Christian, on and on and on, and... uh, we just pray for people that they have freedom of worship and we know their lives are in jeopardy and we have God please watch over them. And we also believe in there's a life after this one where God saves people and uh, he has a, Jesus has made a home for us. And we pray for all those suffering from violence here and abroad. And we pray for those who are sick in mind and body, for those who are lonely and uncomforted. God, please forgive our sins. We pray for those who are suffering from domestic violence here and in their own homes, and we also pray for addiction from of all kinds. And please, God, we, we please help us with all these addictions that are destroying our lives and our families. And uh, please keep in mind my grandson and many people's children that have a problem with drugs and help them actually quit and uh, save their lives, God. And um, they get treatment, and then please, God, send your mighty archangel Michael to fight against all this evil and people whose lives are taken for his distorted reasons. And we believe they become martyrs, and all your angels to watch over everyone. And thank you, God, for sending me that beautiful angel that I saw a couple months back, and um, I couldn't believe my eyes. But thank you so much for that message. Our prayers go out to all the sufferers in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. And we pray that that they have to make many decisions, God, and please uh, help them make the right ones. And we pray for uh, problems of suffering all over the world. And thank you, God. We ask in Jesus' name to bless us, to help us grow under Jesus' care, and help us mature and learn. 
but we're supposed to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you don't have a Bible there at home or wherever you are, if you're out and about, um, go to www.biblia.com. And I want to remind you, the opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. Uh, they're a really great band. And um, if you want to get your copy, go to Save.org or you can go get yours on Amazon like I did. Or you can listen to it for free on YouTube. It's Save Native Angels. And uh, anybody that has a birthday this, this morning, I wish you a very happy birthday and very prosperous year ahead. And, of course, today's Father's Day, so I want to wish everyone a happy day, um, wherever your fathers may be. And uh, um, thank you, fathers, for being there for the kids. And the ones for the fathers that are absent, I pray for them, too, that they uh, be joined together with their children once again and that they find their fathers. You know, there's a where I work, there's a great loss of... Uh, fatherness and and fathers and they go back to prison and it's uh you know i hope and pray all of that is um healed and reclaimed and everybody uh feel the fatherly love which i also depend on and i want to tell my father uh who has who is with god in heaven i want to tell my dad i love him very much and now we are at the part where we read out of the bible so we're on Second Timothy chapter three, and uh, let's, let's see where are we at? Second Timothy chapter three. Okay, hold on one second while I get my right page here. Okay, excuse me. Okay, I've got it here just a minute. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, final countdown. Like in his previous letter, Paul explains again that there will be lots of people turning away from God as the world comes to an end. Paul warns everyone to stay away from all kinds of bad people, including arrogant jerks, greedy people, abusers, disobedient children, liars, and lovers of pleasure. Well, there goes their weekend plans. But anyway, there are also people out there who prey on silly women in church. They make their way into their homes and teach them all kinds of nonsense. In the end, they get no, they have no clue of what they're talking about. Paul wants Timothy to be just like him, faithful, patient, loving, and all the good stuff. Oh, and don't be afraid of persecution. Paul's had his share, but in the end, it all turned out fine, except, of course, the last time when he got beheaded. But Paul says, if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to get some flack. People just aren't going to like you, and it's just a fact. You may get, you know, insulted. You may get uh, hurt. You may be confused. People may be saying you're wrong, but keep pursuing Jesus. It's just a fact of life. But if Timothy keeps the faith, he'll get through it and help others out where they're going to wrong in the process. So Paul wishes Tim good luck. So now we're going to open our Bible to... Let's see. Second Timothy chapter three. Okay, I'm gonna put this on speaker. I hope you can hear it. Okay, Second Timothy chapter three. 
The Caution for a Soldier of Christ, The Peril of Apostasy, Chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households, captivate the weak women, weighed down by sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, and men of the depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all. And just as Janus and Jambres, folly will also follow. And then it says uh, protection from apostasy. We're reading uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, now we're up to verse 10. Now you follow thy teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See now what it says right there? All those who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads you to salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching or for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Well, that's so powerful. And uh, right there, for people that said the Bible isn't real, it says right there, you know, so many thousands of years ago that, uh, you know, here it is, the writings and the teachings. And that's what we're reading right now. Okay, so let's go to uh, the, the notes. In 3.1, the last days, the whole period between the writing of this letter and the Lord's return. As his return draws near, these characteristics will intensify. The description of that follows is of mass corruption, of breakdown of law and tradition. And, you know, everything that's going and what we started out as praying for all these murders and crazy stuff that's going on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's showing that it's towards the end time. And the description follows as a mass corruption and of the breakdown of law and tradition. Remember, that, that is all being thrown away. They're brutal. The Greek word is really a noun, meaning untamed beasts. And those are the ones that are being sexually brutal to others. And then holding on to a form of godliness, having the outer resemblance of it without a spiritual dynamic. And as those people that... that uh, look like they may be spiritual, but they don't have the the inside, the spiritual dynamic that uh, is required of us. 
and then weep with him. This is 3 through 6 to 7. These women, apparently because of sin, were changeable of mind, prone to accept new ideas and swayed by impulses. They were never able to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And then Janus and Jambres. Though these names do not appear in the Old Testament, in the late Jewish, pagan, and certainly early Christian writings, they are applied to the Egyptian magicians who are performing counterfeit miracles in opposition to Moses. They are symbols of the folly of opposition of the truth. And then we go on to 3.12. To live godly apparently involves an aggressive witness such as that Paul gave and, you know, that he lived his life in jeopardy with. And so 3.16, it's a long note, so uh, be patient. It says all scripture is inspired. God breathes. So this is what we're saying here. The Bible came from God to the men who wrote it. And God super superintended these human authors so that using their individual personalities, they composed and recorded without error God's word to man. Christ attests the fact that inspiration extends to the very word. And uh, let's see, in the same verse, Paul in Deuteronomy and Luke's description, and uh, let's see, uh, Peter declared Paul's epistles to be scripture. And then uh, inspiration does not involve mechanical dictation, but accurate recording of God's word. Inspiration does not extend beyond the original message, though the texts we possess today uh, have been transmitted with high accuracy. The scripture is useful for teaching, reproof, and uh, correction of those in error and training of the righteousness. And then the last one, 317, was the purpose of the proper use of the scripture is that of the man of God to be equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that's why we do what we do. We show up here every Sunday and um, read our Bible, and we're just trying to learn. And, uh, you know, it's been a fascinating journey for me, it's uh, being here every week and all that, and it gets tiring. Sometimes I'm, I work Saturday, sometimes I work double shifts, and I do get tired. And uh, But I'm still here and, and still have made it every Sunday, so I want to thank you for your continual prayers for me. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, because I have, uh, you know, I'm ill. I have uh, these conditions, you know, it's a thyroid problem and all that, but I can't seem to get any help. So I've been praying and getting help from God. And I have been working over a year with the doctors, and um, I still, even after a recent appointment, I still have not heard back from uh, my primary doctors have made decisions. Uh, I need surgery. So, you know, I would actually want to ask you to please keep me in your prayers, and uh, thank you for that so much. And let's see here. Now, I have a couple of readings we'll do with, so I think we'll refer to C.S. Lewis, The Business of Heaven, daily readings from C.S. Lewis. So, let us look. I'll read today's date first. So, let's go back to June. And then we'll randomly look around. So, on June 19th, okay, here it is. Uh, June 19th, Invisible Cat. It is has actually come necessary in our time to review the theory that the very firm and serious friendship is really uh, a uh, homosexual. 
uh, I don't know the fuck you But anyway, let's keep going. The dangerous word really is here important. To say that every friendship is consciously and exclusively homosexual would be too obviously false. And the wiseacres who refuse in the less powerful charge that it is really unconsciously, cryptically, and in some cryptian sense, homosexual. And he's talking about friendships, okay. So this, though it not, cannot be proved, can never be, of course, be refuted. The fact that no positive evidence of homosexuality can be discovered in the behavior of two friends does not disconcert the wiseacres at all. That, to say gravely, is just what we should expect. The very lack of evidence in the treated is the evidence, and the absence of the smoke proves that the fire is very carefully hidden. Yes, it exists, but we must first prove its existence, otherwise we are arguing like a man. We should say, if there were a visible cat in that chair, the chair would be look empty, but the chair looks, does look empty. Therefore, there is an invisible cat in it. And a belief that an invisible cat cannot perhaps be logic to disapprove, but it tells us a good deal about those who hold it, those who cannot conceive friendship as a substantive love, only only disguise as a disguise of collaboration of heroes, betray the fact that they never had a friend. The rest of us know that through, though we can have an, an erotic love and friendship of the same person, yet in some ways nothing is less like a friendship than a love affair. Lovers are always talking to one another about their love. Friends hardly ever about their friendship. And lovers are often face to face absorbed in each other. Friends side by side absorbed in a common interest. So I guess what's happening is a, a controversy that two people can't be friends and they're accused of being uh, gay. And uh, he's saying they're just friends. Uh, then they say they're friends, they're just friends. So. I guess that's the topic of uh, what's going on here. So uh, it's kind of on topic uh, because of what happened in Orlando. So I can understand why, coincidentally, that was the reading today. Okay, so let's uh, go to the difficult meaning of members. On the outset, we are hampered by a difficulty of language. The very word membership is of Christian origin but it has taken over by the world and empty of all its meaning. In any book on logic, you can may see the expression members of a class. It must be most emphatically stated that the items or particulars included in a homogeneous class are almost the reverse of what St. Paul meant by members. By members, he meant, is that we should all call organs. Things essentially different from and complementary to one another, things different not only in structure, but in function, but also in dignity. Thus, in a club, the committee as a whole and the servants as a whole may both properly be regarded as members. What we should call the members of the club are merely units. A row of identically dressed and identically trained soldiers set side by side, or a number of citizens listed as voters in a constituency, are not members of anything in the following sense. I am afraid that when we describe a man as a member of the church, we usually mean nothing Pauline. We mean only that he is in the unit and he is one more special, the same kind of thing as Lysi. How true membership of the body differs from the inclusion in a collective, which may be in the structure of a family. 
the grandfather, the parents, the grandson, the child, the dog, the cat, or two members in the organic sense. Precisely because they are not members of units of a homogeneous class, they are not interchangeable. Each person is also a species in himself. Mother is not simply a different person from the daughter. She is a different kind of person. The grown-up brother is simply one unit of a class of children, but he is separate in the state of the realm. The father and grandfather are almost as different from the cat and the dog. If you would subtract any one member, you would not simply reduce the family in number, yet inflicted an injury on its structure. Its unity is a unity of the unlike, almost incommensurable. So what he's talking about is the members, and of course, in the Pauline sense, the members are of one body, that uh, the church is one body. Some people uh, serve as the, the head, some people serve as the foot. And uh, then some people serve in the hands, and the, the people that work hard in the church, they serve as the elbows. So what, what he's saying is we're all part of one body and that it, that it hurts if somebody's lost, and which it does. And let's see. How much time do we have? I've got about five minutes, so um, let's read one more thing. You know, he's a, C.S. Lewis is a writer and a philosopher, and, um, you know, some of the things you probably understand. So um, I'm just trying to do this I can. Okay, the personality is the gift of Christ. Starting with the doctrine that every individuality is of infinite value, when we picture God as a kind of employment, employment committee, his business is to find suitable careers for all souls, square holes for square pegs. In fact, however, the value of the individual does not lie in him, but he is capable of receiving value. He receives it by union with Christ. There is no question of finding finding for him a place in the living temple, which will be justice to his inherent value and give scope to his natural and his synthesis. The place was there for the man was created for it. He will not be himself till he is there. We all shall be true and everlasting and really divine persons, but only in heaven. To say this is to repeat what everyone here admits already, that we are saved by grace, and in our flesh dwells no good thing, that we are, through and through, creatures not creators, derived of things living not of ourselves but from Christ. If I seem to have complicated a simple matter, if you will, I hope, forgive me, I have been anxious to bring out two points. I have wanted to try to spell the quite unchristian worship of the human individual simply as such as so rampant in the modern thought side by side with our collectivism. For one error begets the opposite error, and far from neutralizing, they aggravate each other. I mean, this pestilent notion, one sees it in the literary criticism, is that each of us starts with a treasure called personality, locked up inside of him, and that to expand and express this, to guard it from interference to the original, is the main end of life. This is plagiarian, or worse, and it defeats in itself. No man who values originality will ever be original. But try to tell the truth as you see it. Try to do a bit of work as well as it can be done for work's sake, and that man shall be originality will be come on thought. Even on that level, the submission of the individual to the function is already beginning 
to bring true personality to birth. And secondly, I have wanted to show that Christianity is not in the long run concerned either with individuals or communities. The individual or the community at the top of the thought and understands them inherit internalized. Neither the natural self nor the collective mass will become a new creature, which is true. In Christ, we will become a new creature altogether. So if you ever want to be original, be an original in Christ. So we come to the end of today, another day we read the Bible, and uh, let's bow our heads to read our traditional. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can't. And the wisdom is no different. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, if you're listening to archives, I, I know you are. And I want to say God bless you for listening. And God bless you for your for a wonderful day and that you're of, of enlightened spirit and be easy on this earth and just pray and let faith help you. Ashes in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye-bye. See you next week. Take care, everybody. Love you. Bye-bye.